Welcome to Parkview. I love my job. If you walked in today and noticed a rap music video with bikini-clad women on one of our TV monitors, on the way in, somebody hacked into our system. And I just think that's absolutely hilarious. I don't know how they did it. They hacked into our system, and literally, we're in the back room. Somebody texted, uh, there's a rap music video with bikini women on one of our TV monitors. I'm like, I love my job. This is awesome. I mean, how many churches could you go to and have that happen, right? This is so fun. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And don't worry, Pastor Lonnie has been reprimanded. I'm sure it'll never happen again, okay? Listen. Um, uh, we're really glad you're here. Let me tell you what's getting ready to happen around here. For one thing, you got to understand there's a, there's a Thanksgiving holiday this week, and uh, this is just a friendly reminder from me to you. Don't forget to set your scales back 10 pounds this week because it's Thanksgiving. I love that, right? I mean, that, here, here's what's going to happen. This next weekend, we have Naeem Fazil coming back, and you're thinking, um, you know, that, that sounds like a different name. Yeah, Naeem uh, grew up in Kuwait and uh, grew up Muslim, and he's now a pastor of a of a church, of a Christian church and, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, the author of Ex-Muslim, How One Daring Prayer to Jesus Changed My Life Forever. And the fun part about this is, um, is that I've just done this thing, Life on Mission. I was preaching in Maryland last week because uh, my buddy Ben's church is going through Life on Mission. And, and, and I, all, I want us to all be on mission. I want us to be inviting people to Christmas Eve. I want us to be, you know, thinking about how we can be on mission to people out there. But every once in a while, Jesus just goes, I got one less problem without you, and shows up to people on, their, uh, on his own. I mean, nobody shared their faith with Naeem. Like, literally, it was a supernatural experience where he experienced Jesus in a supernatural way. And, and you're talking, you, you know, you're looking at yourself like, how, how, does, how, do, how do all the people in the world get to hear about Jesus? You know, I mean, there's just so many of them, so many Muslims, so many, so many people that are in so many different faiths. Sometimes God can just do stuff. And he's got an amazing story. He's hilarious, um, a hilarious, fun story. And, and he was here last year for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, I, I want you to come back because he said, you, you got to hear about my sisters. You got to hear about the rest of my family. So this is part two, but you'll hear the whole story. Uh, that is next weekend, and you don't want to miss that. The weekend after that, we start the colors of Christmas. Colors of Christmas is going to be kind of a fun little twist on, on Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve, we will have uh, 14 services all together, 10 of them here live, we're preaching live at all of them, uh, if God allows, and, and, and I want you to be inviting people. It'll be the white Christmas, white signifying forgiveness, right? We're going to talk, and we can work in, you know, the white Christmas and, and all those kinds of things in there, and I can't spoil anything, but dire straits will be involved um, in, in the Christmas Eve service, and you know it's always incredible, so, so, so be here for that. But in two weeks, we start the series with blue Christmas, and of course, you know, we'll have We'll have Elvis music, you know, of course we will. But, but we've also, if you've been noticing in the bulletin, we've also been asking you to tell us uh, if there's somebody in your life that has passed away during the last year, and the stage will be full of candles. Every candle will represent somebody that we've found, you know, through this, uh, that has passed away in the last year, uh, just as kind of a somber remembrance of the fact that not everybody loves, not everybody thinks it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I know some of you are like that. I know, I know, I know maybe you lost someone, maybe you've had a rough year, wh whatever it is, I get it, okay? You're like, when Burl Ives comes on the radio singing, have a holly jolly Christmas, you just want to bust him in the lip, right? Like, I am not feeling this. This is not a happy time. Suicide is at its highest. Depression is at its highest. And, and so we're going to have a real honest service 
talking about the honest emotion of Christmas. That's something we do pretty good around here. And the reason I'm telling you this, that's in two weeks. I'm telling you this because I really want you to invite people to this, okay? If you know somebody that's hurting, you know somebody that needs to hear, you know, the Christmas story about a prince of peace, uh, you know, about, about a wonderful counselor that, that came from heaven, this, this one's going to be for them. And, and I think it's going to be really, really meaningful. As a matter of fact, I, I got this idea from uh, another couple of buddies, and they do it every year, first weekend in December. Every year they do this same kind of service so that we can just acknowledge the fact that, that Christmas isn't wonderful for everybody, and let's not fake it and put on our, you know, our tinsel and walk around and act like everything's okay, all right? So today we start, we're finishing up the series on, on Strapped. I know some of you are like, oh man, he's going to talk about money today. And you had a uh, kind of a Charlie-like reaction to me, you know, like WP, WTPD, that's, that's Charlie, that's my grandson, that's what the poopy diaper. What the poopy diaper are we talking about money at church? I don't, I don't understand that, okay? Um, I have to figure out a way to get Charlie in every sermon, okay? You got to know this, right? Um, uh, I, I know that your normal reaction to a preacher talking about money, it's the same reaction to me going to the dentist and having him talk about flossing. <laughs> I, I, I know flossing is good. I just don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to floss unless I've eaten corn on the cob or maybe an apple. I mean, it's just not going to happen for me. I, 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 know, I know it's good for me, but it's not going to happen. When I go to the dentist, I have three choices. I can either tell the truth, no, I don't care, or I can lie which I can't, you know, I shouldn't do. Or I can do what all of you do. You do the same thing. What do you do? A couple of days before the dentist, <laughs> right? You start flossing. So when he says, have you been flossing? You can say, yes, I have. <laughs> right? That, I know that's what's going to go on here, right? If you heard Casey preach or me preach about money, if you've been here, you've been like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little bit better on my money. I haven't, you know, I haven't been on Amazon Prime nearly as much as I usually am, and, and our offerings are probably better, you know, and, and all that. But you, but, but you know what, what's going to happen? Black Wouldn't you love to have a sound guy at your house when your kids are acting up? You just be, go to bed. What happens this week? Black Friday happens this week. And it could screw everything up and we could end up with this on our back all over again, right? It's the same thing that happens to our diet. We're all going to gain 10 pounds and we're all going to go on a diet after Christmas, after New Year's, January 2nd, and we're going to do pretty good for a while. And then what's going to happen? The Super Bowl, right? And there's going to be cheese dip and beer, pretzels, and you're oh, blowing it and you're off of it again. We have that, actually, it, think about this. We have all of those things put together. The problem is not that, that I don't think that flossing is good for me. I really do. The problem is not that I, that I don't believe that eating right is good for me. The problem is not that I, you know, that, that I don't believe that being out of debt and being a generous person is good for me. The problem is lack of discipline. Nathan Jasink, our uh, psychiatrist friend who runs Benchmark Psych Services across the street over here, um, sent me an article that he found this week about... Um, the link between poor credit score and poor health. You know, they did this big massive study and they found that people who have a poor credit score are more likely to have poor health. And, and you know, the article went on to say, it's not like one thing leads to another. It was basically the problem of a lack of discipline in one area of your life means you may have a lack of discipline in another area of your life. 
And you might have a poor credit score, not because of poor discipline, and you might have bad health, not because of poor discipline. But if you do have poor discipline in your life, neither one of those things are probably going to be very good. And, and we have the one-two punch this week. Physical health, financial health, right? We have Thanksgiving on Thursday, where we're going to eat too much, and we're going to have, you know, Black Friday on Friday. It's just, it's just incredible, right? I mean, I'm going to eat mashed potatoes on Thursday. Can I get an amen? Does anybody else's wife never, ever cook mashed potatoes except on Thanksgiving, okay? I'm having mashed potatoes. I know they're not good. I know there's no nutritional value. I know they got butter in them. I don't care. I'm eating them, okay? We're going to have strawberry pretzel salad at our house. Do you know strawberry pretzel salad? Since when does strawberry jello, cream cheese, and sugar butter covered pretzels constitute a salad? <laughs> but that's what we call it. Why? So we can eat it with our meal and have pumpkin pie later and not feel guilty that we had two desserts. That's Thursday, right? You following me? So Thursday, we've got bad physical health day, and Friday, we've got bad financial health day, and if we're not careful, we're going to end up with two backpacks this week. We're going to have one up here on the front and one back here on the back, right? Or for the ladies, maybe it's a backpack and a lower backpack, right? <laughs> I'm all about that base. If we're not careful, we could blow everything this week. That's why this is really, really important, okay? So the reason that I'm talking about this, uh, the reason that, that I'm doing this is for two reasons. Number one, I need to hear it. I need to hear it on a regular basis. I mean, I'm just as, just as easy. <laughs> we had biscuits and gravy backstage, man. I can't come out and preach to you and, you know, act like I'm all healthy. We had biscuits and gravy. It was awesome. I ate some. Well, you know, there was, there was one person in there that went and ate an apple and sat in the corner. The rest of us ate biscuits and gravy. I'm just being honest. I'm tempted by the same things as you are. And, and, and on Thursday morning, I'm going to be the guy, you know, that's going to be going, oh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. There's a parade on. Now let me see the ads, right? That's what we do. I want to see the ads. That's the first reason. The second reason is, is because I love you. I mean, that's why I preach on this is because I love you. I'm not trying to raise money. I, I really know that having this backpack of debt is a lousy way to live. So uh, we got to try to understand the idea of stewardship. That's the key. Okay? Nothing is ours. Everything came from God. You know, in the day we called airline attendants stewards and stewardesses, right? Uh, they didn't own the airplane. They just took care of the things on the airplane. That's, that's what a steward does. And it's really important that we understand. And if we understand, this actually affects my body. It affects my mind, everything that I do. If I understand that, that everything I have is God's and everything came from God, then I'm going to steward it differently. You know, I'm going to not eat as much biscuits and gravy. I'm going I'm to want to live longer because God's got a mission for me. You know, he can show up to Naeem if he wants to, but I know that I have people that I'm on mission to, so I need to take care of myself. And I'm going to take care of his finances better when I realize this. So here's some scriptures for you. Um, Paul said, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why do you boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? It, it all came from God. Old Testament, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I mean, everything that you have came from him. God said, every animal in the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. God said, the silver and the gold is mine. Everything is mine. Guy's talking to God one day. He says, God, what's a, what's a million years like to you? God said, a million years is like a second. He says, what's a million dollars like to you, God? God said, a million dollars is like a penny. Guy said, God, could I borrow a penny? God said, yeah, just a second. 
You can't outsmart that guy. Listen, stewards are people who realize that everything they have is from God. It's not theirs, it's all God's. And, and, and so put this verse together. Who has ever given to God? I mean, when we talk about giving and generosity, this is the obvious question. Have you ever given to God that God should repay you? I mean, for, from him, through him, to him, everything. Everything comes from God. Everything is a part of God. And when you put that verse together with this one, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. You realize that not only did everything come from God in the first place, but then sin entered the world and he had to pay for it twice. You ever had to pay for anything twice? That's what God did. He sent his son to die for us. He paid for us twice. When you put those verses together, you can't possibly walk out of here and not realize that God loves you. I hope that you can't possibly realize that. Because he gave you everything and then he paid for you again when sin entered into your life. The Bible tells us this over and over in the New Testament, that the way that we prove that we acknowledge that God is in charge of our life is by giving. You must, this is Old Testament, you must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Well, yeah, that was the Old Testament, okay? What about the New Testament? Jesus said, don't hoard treasures down here where, this is a paraphrase of Matthew 6, don't hoard treasure where it gets eaten by moths or corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile your treasure in heaven where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will want to be and the place you will end up being. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus said, freely you have received, so freely give. You want to know why in the PD I preach about this? It's because the stats are that only 30 to 40% of people who call themselves believers give to their church on a regular basis. I mean, I would suppose if I told you that only 30 to 40% of the people that call themselves Christians pray, you'd expect to hear sermons on prayer. If I told you that 30 to 40%, you know, read their Bible, you'd expect to hear a sermon on reading the Bible. You, if it was 30 to 40%, you know, are involved in Christian community, you would expect to hear a sermon on Christian community. So you've you got to expect that, that if only 30 to 40% of you or of people who call themselves Christians are giving to God, and it's such an important thing in the Bible that Jesus talked about it more than anything else, you'd expect to hear, hear some sermons. But here's the deal that's really important. God is not going to love you more when you do those things. When you hear me preach on, on prayer or reading the Bible or, or anything, any of the disciplines that are in our life that ought to be better in my life than they are and ought to be better in your life than they are, that's not because God is going to love you more if you do them. God doesn't love you more when you pray, okay? I just want to set this straight, and, and I will look just for a nod of affirmation for those of you that are old enough um, to remember, I, I'm pretty sure it was like early 80s Christian music, okay? Old enough, and you were, you know, listening to Christian music because um, it was bad, way, it was really bad in the early 80s, but there was a song on Christian radio back in the early 80s, maybe mid-80s, I don't know. It was, and I don't remember who it was. I'm not going to, you know, they're probably dead now. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But the song was called, I Miss My Time With You. Does anybody remember this song? Okay. I Miss My Time With You. And it was a song that was supposedly God singing to a, a person, a Christian person. And, this, and it was, 
It was horrible. It was so horrible. I miss my time with you, these moments together. And basically, it was a guilt-inducing song about the fact that God misses his time with us when we don't have our daily quiet time. And it was just, it was just so I mean, I get it. I'm a dad, right? I'm looking forward to spending time this Thanksgiving with my kids. You know, all of my family is coming in, you know, this week. It's not to see me. It's to see Charlie. I understand, okay? But everybody's coming. I mean, my sister's coming from Dallas. My parents are coming from Fort Wayne. Everybody's coming in because they want to see Charlie, right? Uh, but, But you know what? I'm excited to see my kids. I'm really excited to see my kids. But I don't love them any less when I don't hear from them. I really don't, you know? I, I, I mean, yeah, I miss them because they moved really far away from me and they live in Tennessee and California and I miss my time with them. <laughs> Those moments together. But, but when I don't hear from them, I'm not mad. I, I realize they're busy people, okay? I still love them. Do you really see God as this Jewish mother walking around in heaven going, oh, I wish they'd call, I wish they'd call. Why don't they call? I don't understand. Is that how you feel your relationship is with God? Because that's so not true. Okay, just one more Thanksgiving joke. Guy in Phoenix calls his kids day before Thanksgiving, calls his son in Baltimore. He says, hey, your mom and I are getting a divorce. Son goes, what? He said, yeah, I, I can't stand her anymore. 45 years is enough, man. It's enough punishment for me. We're getting a divorce. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You call your sister and tell her I'm not talking about it. Hangs up the phone. The son calls his sister, you know, in Baltimore. He, call, he calls her up. He says, hey, you're not going to believe this. Mom and dad are getting a divorce. She says, what? No, they're not going to do that. She calls her parents back. She says, don't do a thing. My brother and I are going to be there tomorrow. Don't do a thing until we get there. You are not getting divorced. Old guy hangs up the phone, turns to his wife and says, kids are coming for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and they're paying their own way. That's the key for me right now. All right. Okay. I have to pay them to come home, okay? I have to, I have to make sure that they can get here. But, but I, I love it when they come, but I don't love them any less when I'm not, when they're not. It's, it's just not, that's not who God is. When you pray, you are inviting God into your life. When you, when you read the Bible, you are, you are inviting God into your life. When you get in Christian community, you are inviting God into your life. When you give, you are laying God, you're letting God come into your life. I mean, do you really understand? The Bible says you you should, you should read this. You should read this. Why should you read this? Because God's going to love me more? No. No. The Bible calls itself a lamp unto your feet. God's not going to love you more if you read the Bible. He's just tired of seeing you trip and fall. Prayer, God, prayer's not going to make God love you more. He doesn't miss his time with you. It's the nitrous. It's the power. We've talked about this. <coughs> so here's the deal. When I talk about giving, it is, it is one area where you can do this verse more than anything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. This applies to everything in your life, okay? If you want God in your marriage, you seek God first in your marriage. If you want God first in your job, you seek God first in your job. You want God first in your finances? You seek God first in your finances. The Bible tells us this over and over again. As a matter of fact, it's the one place where God really allows us into the process. He really allows us to invite him into the process. Proverbs, Old Testament. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You could reread that as seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. Your vats will brim over with new wine. You say, well, yeah, that's, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? God says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, we're talking about throwing out seed, right? Plant seed, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly because you're only gonna get back what you, what you put out. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God only loves a cheerful giver, but God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When you give, it is, it, is, it is something that invites God into the process of your life that is unlike anything else. It is about sowing seed. And this is the only area where God knows that you're going to look at him with that WTPD look and go, why would you, why do you want my money? And God is going to say, because money is the number one competitor for your heart. That's why I said you can't serve God in money. That's why I wanted you to understand the principle of stewardship, and I want you to give back to me. As a matter of fact, it is the only place where you can test God. Did you know this? You can test him. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will, here's what God can do. I can prevent pests from devouring your crops. I can make the vines in your fields not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And I can make your nation be a blessed nation. People call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. It's the only place ever in the Bible. Don't, don't try to test God on anything else, because he didn't say you could do that. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me on this. Seek first the kingdom of God in your finances. Bring the tithe back to the storehouse and see what I do. The tithe in the Old Testament was 10%. Okay? I get that Jesus never talked much about the tithe in the New Testament. He, 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 he said not to neglect it, but he didn't talk about it because Jesus is not interested in percentages. Jesus is interested in your heart. He's interested in your heart. Jesus did say, don't shortchange Caesar and don't shortchange God, right? They asked him about money. Jesus said, pay your taxes and give to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Jesus did tell us a whole lot of other things about how we should lay up treasures in heaven and where our hearts ought to be and all those kinds of things. But the principle is this, okay? This is the Old Testament, the paraphrase of the Old Testament, but this is it. The purpose of the tithe of giving the first fruits back, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your crop, the holy part, is to teach you to always put God first in your life. When you put God first, in you, how do you prove to God that you're putting him first in your life. Craig Groeschel is a pastor in Oklahoma. He said, uh, what some of you are probably saying is, you know, what I hear all the time. You know, your eyes get real big and you're like, you don't understand, Pastor Craig. If for me to do that, I would have to massively change my life. He said, yeah, I get it. For me to do that, I'd have to really stop buying some things that I really want. He said, yeah, I get it. For me to do that, I'd have to reprioritize my life completely around God. He says, yes, yes, I get that. That is the idea. That is the idea. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God in everything you do, but it's really, really simple with this. You give first. You might say, well, why in the world would I do that if it's not going to make God love me more? Why would I bother? Why does it matter? What's the point? You know? 
And I could say, well, I, you know, I, I believe that God honors us when we're good stewards and he gives us more because there's a whole parable in the Bible about that. And, and, and there's a, the parable in the Bible would also relate to me not upping my kid's allowance when all they did is spend it on bubble gum, okay? If they're not going to be responsible with it, I'm not going to give them more. But I don't even care about the negative side. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the positive side of what this is because that's what I'm here for. Several weeks ago, we talked about growing in, in Jesus Christ. And, and the reason why I said a lot of people don't really want to grow to be more like Jesus is because they don't believe this verse, that Christ is the one in whom is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you don't believe that Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven and it's way better, at the end of the day, if you think you can still serve God in money, if the end of the day you think that forgiving your enemy or loving your neighbor or any of the things that Jesus told you is a dumb idea, then of course you're not going to do it. But if you understand that Jesus is the one who has the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, then when he tells us something, we should follow it because it's going to be a better way to live. And here, here's the deal. Several weeks ago, I, I used this illustration, and I, I promised I would bring it back out because it kind of blew my mind. I was at a gathering, okay? Dave Ramsey, the financial guru guy, has bought out the website stewardship.com, and he gathered some pastors together to have us start to help them talk about what stewardship.com ought to look like. Because what they're hoping for is to build a website for Christians to be able to help them. And it's not just about your treasure. It's about your, you know, it's about your time. It's about your talent. It's about stewarding everything in your life. When you understand stewardship, it changes the way you do everything. It's all from God's and I'm just taking care of it. So we gather these, a few of these pastors together. And we're all sitting around in a room. And we're all talking about it. And we're, and we're all confessing that we feel like you guys are going to look at us sideways when we start talking about this principle, so we're all a little nervous about doing it. And Bill Hybels from Willow Creek Church got up and got a whiteboard out, and he said, here's what I think the problem is. And he nailed it. He said, here's, here's how we usually talk about this issue. Bring the tithe into the storehouse and see if there will not be plenty for you. I, I live that. I believe that. So here's what we say. If you want to get to B, Whatever B is, it's having a certain amount of money at, at retirement, it's owning a restaurant, whatever it is. If you want to get to B, here's what we would normally say. You can either use 100% of your resources to get to B, or you could use 90% of your resources, bring the tithe back to the storehouse, and you and God could see how fast and how good you can take care of B. Now, it, it's kind of a dumb equation, right? If you really believe that God could raise the dead, if you really believe you're going to live with God forever someday, if you really believe that God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for all of your sins, why would you not believe his promise that if you give back to him, he's going to take care of you? How could you not believe, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? This is how we normally preach it. And Bible said, here's where I think we're missing it. What if there's a C? What if there's a C? What if, what if there's a place that we can live that is beyond our even imagination or comprehension of what we thought B was ever going to be, and it's so much better that when we get there, we look back at B and we think, well, that would have been dumb. Who needed that? And it might not be financial. Please, please, please. I'm not one of those guys that believes that, you know, that God is forced to, to give you money if you give him money. I'm not believing. Because I don't think money is the most important thing. Does anybody think money is the most important thing? I, I don't think any of us do. 
Nobody at the end of their life looks back and goes, man, I'm sure glad I got that raise, you know, back in 2014. Now, we get that. What if the life of C is about this verse here? Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be enriched in every way. Wouldn't you rather be enriched in every way than just know that you're going to get to be? Because enriched in every way is the life of C. That's the life that God is blessing, okay? Enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see that? What if the life of C is way better than the life of B, and we never realized it in the first place? You know, I, 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 I got to tell you, I live the life of C. All of my life, I've lived the life of C. You, you, you couldn't look at my life and go, that guy is so smart that he made all the right decisions that, you know, all those things happen. You couldn't do that. I, I've had, you know, my life's not perfect. I got a dear friend in a coma uh, from, a, from a brain tumor and a, and a stroke right now at Loyola Hospital. And, and I, I've got a job that's stressful, okay? And my marriage is sometimes hard, and it was really, really hard in the beginning. And we've had kids in pediatric intensive care and weren't sure they were going to make it. And we've had financial setbacks, and we've had issues, and we've had problems. And my mother-in-law has Parkinson's, and we've got, we've got a lot of those same things that you have. But one way or another, if you look at my life objectively, you, you have just got to go, there is no way that idiot could have gotten to where he's at. It's okay for you to feel that way because I say that in the mirror every day. There's no way. How could I have gotten that woman to marry me? How could my kids be this? Awesome? How, how could my life be this? Awesome? How could Parkview be here? How, how could these things happen? It's, it's over blessing. It's a, a, a harvest of righteousness that is so much above my level of righteousness. I have been enriched in every way. I live the life of C. And as you're sitting here thinking about it, a lot of you are going, yeah, you know what? I live the life of C too. God's been really good to me. He's given me everything that I have, and he gave me Jesus. And, and, and there's a lot of other things that are going on. And so as I think about Thanksgiving this week, I guess I really do have a lot more of the life of C than I thought. Well, here, here's the so that. You remember in English they told you that when there was a so that, you ought to pay attention to the so that. Why would he enrich us in every way? So that you can be generous on every occasion, and that through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God, that's fascinating. Because it's Thanksgiving week, right? I read this verse, I thought, oh man, this is, this is good. This is, this is where we're supposed to go. The first Thanksgiving in 1621. It's, you know, it's the pilgrims and the, and the Indians getting together to give thanks to God for what he has done. Whatever, you know, you can think whatever you want to about it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Maybe we shouldn't have been here. Maybe, you know, obviously we screwed up the Indians' lives. I get all that, okay, I really do. But here's the first Thanksgiving. As described by Edward Winslow, pilgrim, in 1621. The Massasoit, the great Indian chief, with some of his men went out and killed some deer, and they brought them, and we had a feast. And then it said, once the harvest was in, our governor sent four men bird hunting. This is 17th century English, so stay with it. So that we might, after special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four, in one day killed as much fowl as served the company for almost a week. All right, interpretation. 
You know, the Robertsons went duck hunting and they brought back so many ducks that they ate them for a week, okay? That's your interpretation, right? And here's the, here's the sentence that really struck me, 1621. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at that time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are far from want. Thanksgiving was instituted by, you know, our, our forefathers one way or the other to say, you know what, it's not always perfect, but we're going to give thanks. George Washington inaugurated the first Thanksgiving in our country um, as we celebrated as a nation, you know, under its new constitution, but it didn't stick as a holiday. I don't know if you know the history of Thanksgiving. It wasn't a national proclamation. It didn't continue to happen over and over again. It, 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 only, it only became a national holiday when Sarah Joseph Hale, this woman who was basically an 18th century blogger, I mean, she was like the editor of this book, you know, and she, for 30 years, she would email, and, you know, you know she, the equivalent of email and blog and get on the web about, you know, hey, we need to have a Thanksgiving service, and she would write a letter to every president over and over again. We need to have an annual Thanksgiving service, and she kept pestering presidents for 30 years until finally Abraham Lincoln instituted the first national Thanksgiving service. Now, here's what's interesting. Last Thursday of the month of December will be a national day of Thanksgiving. Do you know when he did that? He did it in 1863. The middle of the war. After his son had died, not too long after the Battle of Gettysburg, but it was in 1863, according to Lincoln's own writings, when he finally really committed his life to Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he declared a national day of thanksgiving. So the reason we're going to hang out on, on Thursday and eat strawberry pretzel salad and mashed potatoes and all the other stuff that we do is because a president in the middle of a lot of grief, in the middle of not such a great time in his life, said, you know, we're going to stop and we're going to give thanks so that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 5,000 years before that, God had instituted a Thanksgiving time. Uh, it was a feast of weeks. You think you had a bad diet one day. Listen to this. Celebrate the harvest festival by bringing a free will offering in proportion to the blessing God has given you. That's kind of up to you. Be joyful in the Lord's presence with your family. That's what Thanksgiving ought to be. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Remember the wonders that he has done and his miracles. That's what we should do. Now, you wonder how? Okay. How, how can your generosity result in thanksgiving to God? Take this, financial, uh, take this uh, next steps card out of your bulletin. Just go ahead and rip it out because I want you to throw it in the offering. Don't put your name on it yet. I want you to put it in the offering because I want you to do one thing. You may not want your name on it because I may be asking you to make a commitment to something that's going to be a little bit crazy. But if you take that out and look at it, I'm giving you three ideas on ways that you can give a thanksgiving to God this thanksgiving. It's under grow, the next step, all right? The first one is, my finances are a mess. I'm really strapped. I will sign up for Financial Peace University. All right, you've got this backpack of debt on and your life is a mess and you know you, know you need help. Three and a half million dollars in consumer debt with the 300 people that are in the class right now. Maybe that's you, all right? 
Uh, you need help with it, sign up. And you will want to put your name on if you're going to do that because we'll get you the information. I hope we have 1,000 people. I hope we have classes every night of the week in January. It's a nine-week class. It's based on the Dave Ramsey material. We've had a ton of people go through it, and, uh, and, and it will change your life, I promise you. That's one box that you could check right there, all right? Maybe for you, it's time to make an investment. It's time to stop being, you know, one of the people that doesn't ever do anything for God's work, and you're ready to be a regular investor in God's work here at Parkview. And I put an asterisk down there, and I said, I want to, I want to give you some things to think about. Because we usually talk about percentage giving, and the Bible talks about, you know, according to what you've been given. Here, here's, what I, here's what I want to challenge you with. Are you really giving Comcast more than you give God? Are you giving Dish Network? I mean, could, could we start at a pretty simple place? Could, could, could God, like, move up from the very, very bottom line item? I don't know what your bottom line item is on your, you know, on your expenses, but think about what it is. What's the bottom line item? Can you, can you push God above that so he's not at the bottom? And then if, it, if it's a cable bill, maybe it's time to move to the cell phone bill. And maybe it's time to move to the car payment. And at some point, you know, for, for most of us, when you get to the point where you really get a hold of this and God starts blessing you, you're going to move to a mortgage. You're going to move to two mortgages. At some point, you will be, like our family has been for a really long time, the number one line item that we spend every month is Parkview Christian Church. It's the Lord's work. It's God's thanksgiving. That's the number one thing. Why? Because I've been living the life of sea all my life. And I'm grateful. And I believe that me and God, I believe me and God are going to get me to a place that is at least B, but I really believe God's going to get me to C. And I might, I might end up in D before I die. That, that's how I want it to be. So, so that second one is, I'm going to do that. The, the third one is, I'm already a consistent giver. I'm one of the 30 to 40% that regularly give but I'm ready to up my game and trust God with more. Maybe it's time for you to take a step of faith, do something a little crazy. I wanted to put up yours there, but it didn't seem appropriate, so. <laughs> up your game, okay? I'm ready, I'm ready to make something happen. And you could put your name on there or not put your name on there, um, put your information on there. I want you to throw it on the offering plate when it comes by at the end because we want to pray for you. We, we, we really do. We want, to, we want to pray for the people that are, that are taking this challenge to, to let their thanksgiving result in praise to God. Let their offering, you know, go to God because that's the difference. Listen, true story. Butter, Butterball Turkey Company has a hotline for people when they uh, have problems with, you know, turkey and how to cook their turkey and what they're supposed to do. You get that, right? And then, they, you know, there's a lot of people that screw it up. So they call in. So they have this person. It's a true story. They have this person call in one day and this person says, um, I've had a turkey in my freezer for 23 years. Is it still okay to eat it? And the representative said, well, you know, I, 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 um, I, if it's been below zero, it still should be safe, but the flavor has got to have deteriorated to such a point that I would not really recommend you eating it. True story. The caller said, eh, that's what I thought. We'll give it to our church. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. That is a true story. Uh, it feels to me like Thanksgiving Thursday has given way to Black Friday in our, in our world, doesn't it? 
the only thing you hear about is, oh yeah, we're gonna have some turkey and there's a sale and free financing and blah, blah, blah. And I get it, okay? I get that a lot of Christmas shopping, a lot of Christmas shopping is about, you know, I've gotta go buy presents for somebody else. And Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I get that, okay? I'm not saying that's bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go shopping too, okay? But here's the difference. When you give a present to someone, they're going to give their thanks to you. When you give to God, you're not going to get a thanks from that person. They're not going to have anybody to thank but you. The 850 veterans that got uh, meals from the food drive, I'll tell you about in a minute, you know. They, they can't say thank you to you for bringing food to help us with that. They, they, they just have to give thanks to God. Isn't that a good idea? Um, I got a widow's mite in this ring. Uh, if you've noticed, I'm not a big bling guy, but I, I wear this ring a lot. It's a widow's mite from Israel. I got it over there. It's a 2,000-year-old, literal, you know, 2,000-year-old coin that is um, exactly the kind of coin that Jesus saw a widow put in the offering when he was watching the offering one day. It's a little scary thought to think that Jesus is watching the offering. He's watching the offering one day, and he's, he's watching his disciples, and they're all watching. And here's, here's what they would do. I mean, the Pharisees were such jerks back in this day. They, they, would, they would come, these rich, you know, rich ruler people, they would come, and as they were getting ready to give their offering, they would, they would literally have a trumpet. They would hire a trumpet player to go, and have everybody turn and look, and they would take their offerings, and they would place them in, uh, you know, the little hole in the wall thing that they have for the offering. They, they would place it in the offering, right? And, and Jesus is looking at these guys. I mean, these are the, the modern day equivalent of these people are the people that write a check and then they, they leave it open and put it in the offering so that the person next to them can see it, okay? Just fold it, all right? We don't, we don't care, all right? You, you, the, these Pharisees would go in and they would, they would do that and they would make this big show and Jesus is watching one day and he goes, hey guys, guys, check this. And this little old lady, little old widow woman, walks up and puts two of these widow's mites. It's the equivalent of a penny, okay? It was the smallest amount of coinage that they had. She put two widow's mites into the offering. And Jesus said, do you know what just happened? She just gave a ton more than they did because they gave out of their abundance. She gave the last two pennies she had. Now, I, I gotta ask you, who do you think God took care of? Who do you think God blessed? Let's not forget what Thanksgiving is really all about, you guys. God gave us everything. Teacher was uh, teaching geography to her fourth grade students, and she was kind of mixing in history and geography and a bunch of things all together. And she decided it'd be fun for their class to do their own seven wonders of the world list. There's a seven ancient wonders and a seven natural wonders and a seven modern wonders. You know, there's a lot of different lists. And so they just kind of talked about all the really impressive things in the world. And they let the class, you know, put their seven down and then they did a collective vote to figure out who they thought, what they thought was the, you know, the best wonders of the world. And the class got their stuff and they put it all together and they ended up with a list that included uh, the Great Pyramids, Taj Mahal, Grand Canyon, uh, Panama Canal, Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica, and China's Great Wall. Those were their seven wonders. But, but when they were done and they were talking about this, the teacher noticed there was a little girl that hadn't turned hers in and was still working on it. I was kind of ignoring everything that was going on in the class. And the teacher said, you didn't finish your list. 
do, do you want us to help you? And the little girl said, yeah, I'm having such a hard time. There's so many of them. And the teacher said, well, why don't you read us what you've already got? And the little girl said, I think the seven wonders of the world are to see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to feel, to laugh, to love. When you get to the end of your life, I think when I get to the end of my life, I'm going to look back and I'm going to go, man, God, the life of C, the life of D, the life of whatever letter I'm at at this point in my life is unbelievable. Thank you. In the middle of the junk that goes on in my life, I have to stop and say, God, my life is still blessed. Thank you. In the middle of the Civil War is when the Thanksgiving proclamation was made, not at the end of it. Maybe you're a blue Christmas person. Maybe you're somebody who's, you know, not going to, it's going to be a really, really hard Christmas for you. I would encourage you that one of the ways that you can work through that better than any of the rest of them is to take a step back, try to figure out what God has done in your life, and give him thanks. Gratitude is from the same root word as the word grace. You know that? It's kind of interesting. I mean, we're going to take communion here together. We do it every, every week here as a church. It's kind of a Thanksgiving service for us, for us to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. And I'm, I'm in gratitude for the grace. And we're going to share in that right now. I don't know why we think we need more than what you're going to get in this cup and in this bread. Because that's the only thing you really need. Everything else in our life to borrow a Thanksgiving metaphor is gravy. Let's pray. God, I, I, don't know, I don't know how you could bless my life any more than you have. And I'm not going to mind it if you do, but I am uh, going to stop every once in a while in the middle of it and say thank you. I'm going to stop Thursday and I'm going to say thank you. And as we go around the table at my house, we are not going to talk about anything that has anything to do with finances. I know this. There will not be a person around my table, not my parents who are still in decent health, not my, not my sister and brother-in-law and their daughter, not my kids and our new grandson, not my kids from California. None of them are going to say, I'm sure glad I had money. I'm sure glad that, you know, my parents could afford for me to go to college. I'm sure glad that, that you know, what, it just doesn't matter. And we know this. Everything good is from you, and the things that are good are more important. You know, that's why I get so frustrated with the, with the Christian preachers who teach that somehow we're going to be blessed financially when we do all the things that you want us to do. I'm not holding you to that, Lord. I have been, but I'm not holding you to that because I know that there are more important things than money. I just know that money is a test. So right now we're going we're gonna to give thanks for salvation, for grace. And Lord, if there are people in this room who don't have that, will you help them? Will you just do a Naeem Fazil moment in their life right now and just show up in their life in such a way that they, they in this very moment when they take communion can do nothing but say, Jesus, I believe in you. I know you're real. I'm going to follow you. Blow, blow their mind right now. Let them know that you're there. 
And then, Lord, as we take communion, we'll remember the price that you paid for it because you paid for us twice. And then as we go from this place, if there are people that, that have decided they're going to make a change in their finances, they're going to trust you with a little thing, I want to ask for supernatural miracles in their life as well because I believe you're there. I believe that you can do anything abundantly more than I could possibly even imagine. And you proved it by this bread and this cup. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.